Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hey, this is Doc Washburn filling in for Mark Levin. I do the afternoon talk show. Uh, Mark's Affiliate in Little Rock, Arkansas, News Radio 1029 KARN. Always a delight and a pleasure and an honor to fill in for the great one. Number to call to get into the conversation is 877 381 3811, and you're going to want to get in on the conversation tonight. This is my ninth time filling in for Mr. Levin. I think this is the first time that I've done this, but I've got to start hour one with an incredible article that dropped today over at UncoverDC.com from one of my favorite columnists, a guy named Brian Cates out of South Texas. And the article is entitled, There is no election month in the Constitution. And here's what he says. For the past five weeks, citizens of the United States have been getting a civics lesson on how federal elections are supposed to be held. Deviation from what the Constitution clearly establishes has reached a tipping point because of the way certain states handled the election. The way that Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, and Nevada carried out the November 3rd election has now brought them into blatant and clear conflict with the Constitution itself. The Constitution says there is a designated election day with very real deadlines for voting. There's no reference in the Constitution to election week or election month or even an election quarter year. Votes are to be cast within a single day and the votes are to be counted at the end of the deadline period. Various states have over the years deliberately undermined the constitutional limit by passing state laws that essentially have drawn out elections for federal offices so they last for a week or more. In 2018, Democrats in California used state laws about ballot harvesting to flip several House of Representative races after the official election day. In one blatant instance, Republican candidate Young Kim saw a 14 point lead on election day somehow disappear. He says, as I write this, election day was over a month ago, and yet states such as New York are still finding and counting votes. This is not how federal elections are supposed to be conducted. Constantly shifting election deadlines invites fraud and errors, especially in the close contests. Democrats in many of these blue states have been incrementally gaming the federal election process for years, 
pushing the deadlines back further and further after Election Day to give them time to find enough votes to flip close races. Now, the president warned of massive fraud on the horizon. President Trump was sounding the alarm early and often this year about how governors, secretaries of state, and state Supreme Courts were deliberately going around their state's legislatures to rewrite or to even, re- or to even introduce new election laws. When Attorney General William Barr warned in June about the mail-in fraud issues when multiple states suddenly changed their election rules, President Trump tweeted Barr's concerns. He linked to an article from Breitbart that said, Barr, mail-in ballots absolutely opens the floodgates to fraud. And the president said, this will be the election disaster of our time. Mail-in ballots will lead to a rigged election. The same day, June 22nd, this year, the president also tweeted, rigged 2020 election, millions of mail-in ballots will be printed by foreign countries and others. It will be the scandal of our times. Now, one of the chief arguments made against the mass mail-in ballot schemes being prepared by blue states was that it was obvious they were fully planning to take weeks to count all of the votes. While the governors and state Supreme Courts were busy quickly rewriting election laws and cutting the state legislatures out of the process, the Constitution is clear. It is those state legislatures that pass election laws and set election deadlines. Governors such as Brian Kemp in Georgia and secretaries of state, including Kathy Bookvar in Pennsylvania, plus state Supreme Courts such as the one in Nevada, pointed to the hysteria ginned up over COVID-19 to justify their actions. It was stated at the time these arbitrary changes were being implemented that this extra legal activity was unconstitutional on its face, and now it appears the Supreme Court is going to take up the matter thanks to a new Texas lawsuit. On Tuesday morning, news broke of a lawsuit filed just before midnight by the state of Texas against Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin by arguing that the methods employed by these four states for altering federal election procedures are in direct conflict with the Constitution itself. Texas has managed to bypass all the other courts and take this straight to the Supreme Court. Later in the day, the Supreme Court indeed added the Texas lawsuit to their official docket, and the Supreme Court has now given the four states being sued, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, until Thursday, December 10th by 3 p.m. Eastern, that is tomorrow, to file their responses to the Texas lawsuit. Reporter Kyle Becker highlighted the crucial issue in a tweet about the Texas lawsuit when he said, linking to Chris Kobach's article over Breitbart, Kyle Becker said, Supreme Court, quote, 
The Texas lawsuit presents a pure question of law. It is not dependent upon disputed facts. The state of Texas doesn't need to prove a single case of fraud to win. It is enough that the four states violated the Constitution. Now, the article that Kyle Becker referenced by Breitbart says Texas brought the suit because the four states violated the Constitution and that the violation stands alone and apart from the resulting fraud. Using COVID-19 as an excuse for quickly altering their state's election laws and procedures just ahead of the vote will very likely fail to impress the United States Supreme Court. This is because there is no pandemic exception to clearly enumerated constitutional rights. And the right of all U.S. citizens to fair and timely elections is certainly enumerated in our nation's founding document. Now, let's look at what the Constitution makes clear. Article 2 of the United States Constitution begins by stating, and I quote, The executive power shall be vested in the President of the United States of America. He shall hold his office during the term of four years and together with the Vice President, chosen for the same term, be elected as follows. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct, a number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in the Congress. The electors shall meet in their respective states and vote by ballot for two persons, of whom one at least shall not be an inhabitant of the same state with themselves and they shall make a list of all the persons voted for and of the number of votes for each, which list they shall sign and certify and transmit sealed to the seat of the government of the United States directed to the President of the Senate. The President of the Senate shall, in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives, open all the certificates, and the votes shall then be counted. The person having the greatest number of votes shall be the President, if such number be a majority of the whole number of electors appointed, unquote. Now, note carefully what the Constitution does not say. The document does not say, as the governor thereof may direct. It does not say, as the secretary of state thereof may direct. It also does not say, as the state Supreme Court thereof may direct. The document says, as the legislature thereof may direct. Now, the counterargument being advanced is that because some states have been running federal elections however they see fit for many years, even though their methods of conducting these federal elections directly contradict the Constitution, the Supreme Court reasserting that they must follow the federal government's founding document or have their federal elections voided is too extreme a remedy. The fact that the constitutional framework for federal elections was not enforced in previous years does not mean the current appeals to the Supreme Court to address these glaring constitutional issues raised by the 2020 elections are invalid. Far from it. Claiming that a state 
which is violating the constitutional framework for federal elections, must be allowed to continue these violations because no one had ever bothered to make a legal challenge, is an incredibly weak argument. And yet, we are highly likely to see this argument advanced to the Supreme Court in the next few weeks by people determined to certify a fraudulent election and make Joe Biden the United States president. That is a remarkable article. I've put it on my Facebook. I've put it on my Twitter. You can uh, find it at UncoverDC.com. It's called There Is No Election Month in the Constitution. It's by one of my favorite columnists, Brian Cates. Coming up, I want to deal with some of the reasons I think this flaw, this, pardon me, I think this Texas lawsuit is such a slam dunk. And I, it's, it's brilliant. And I'm kind of excited about it. So that's coming up once again. To get into the conversation, we will get to some callers eventually. 877-381-3811. My name is Doc Washburn. I'm from Little Rock, Arkansas, filling in for the great one on the Mark Levin Show. Mark Levin. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Kind of reminds me of the uh, Charlie Brown Peanuts Christmas special. It's nice, man. Very nice stuff. Oh, because that, that, that's where it's from. Very good. All right. Doc Washburn from Little Rock filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Let me give you a little context for this uh, for this Texas case. And hat tip to uh, Ivan Penchikov over at the EpochTimes.com. The following eight paragraphs of legal background in the Texas Supreme Court election case are a fascinating historical context worth sharing in a mini-thread, he said out there on the Twitter. So here's, here's what it is. Here's a quote. The individual citizen has no federal constitutional right to vote for electors for the President of the United States unless and until... The state legislature chooses a statewide election as the means to implement its power to appoint members of the Electoral College, unquote. State legislatures have plenary power to set the process for appointing presidential electors. 
Again, a quote from Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the United States Constitution. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct a number of electors, unquote. Then a quote from McPherson versus Blacker, 1892, U.S. Supreme Court case. At the time of the founding, most states did not appoint electors through popular statewide elections. In the first presidential election, six of the ten states that appointed electors did so by direct legislative appointment. In the third presidential election, nine of 16 states that appointed electors did so by direct legislative appointment. This practice persisted in lesser degrees through the election of 1860. Given the state legislature's constitutional primacy in selecting presidential electors, the ability to set rules governing the casting of ballots and counting of votes cannot be usurped by other branches of state government. The framers of the Constitution decided to select the president through the Electoral College from the Federalists now, number 68, to afford as little opportunity as possible to tumult and disorder and to place every practicable obstacle to cabal, intrigue, and corruption, including foreign powers that might try to insinuate themselves into our elections. All right, now all of those are direct quotes, direct quotes from the lawsuit. The plaintiff is establishing this foundation because one of the remedies sought would remand the selection of electors in case they are already certified back to state legislatures. Again, again, that is the Constitution. That is the Constitution. Now, I'm sure Mark has talked about this before, but why do you think Hillary said a couple of months before the election that um, Joe Biden should not concede at any point for any reason? That this thing drags out long enough, he's going to be declared the victor? Why do you think that is? For that matter, why do you think Chris Wallace in the September 29th election asked both candidates, Will you promise right now not to declare victory until all the votes are independently certified? Have you ever thought about that? The only time in over 100 years we haven't known the victor within 24 hours was in 2000 when Al Gore tried to steal it. Where did that come from? Maybe we can talk about that coming up after the break. I'm Doc Washburn filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting 
promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Don't ask him for middle ground. There is no middle ground. Talk with Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. All right, Doc Washburn filling of the great one, Mark Levin. Always, always good to be back in the air chair on the Mark Levin Show. Almost 400 radio stations from coast to coast. So um, I, I had alluded to before we go to your calls at 877-381-3811, I had alluded to, and this didn't occur to me, I didn't catch it until after the election. I went back and watched it. Why was Chris Wallace saying to both Trump and Biden, will you both promise right now not to declare victory until the votes are independently certified? which is weeks after election. And Donald Trump was saying, hey, I think there's going to be um, election fraud. I want our poll watchers to pay attention. If you see something, say something. So the liberals jumped on him about that. Oh, look at that. You know, he's not going to trust the results of election. On the other hand, Biden said, yep, I promise. And so the conservatives are jumping on Biden saying, oh, look at that. He lied. He lied. He did declare victory a few days after the election day. Okay. To say Joe Biden lied is like to saying a dog. Uh, it's like saying a dog barked. It's like saying water is wet. You know, Joe Biden's been lying for decades. That's not the point here. The point, and and, and I've tried to ask people about this on, on Facebook and on Twitter. And hardly anybody wants to bite. The point is, why did Chris Wallace ask that question? Do you both promise you won't declare victory until the votes are independently certified, which is going to be weeks later? Why does he establish that new idea, that new standard? Except for 2000. When Al Gore took 36, 37 days to try to steal it from George W. Bush, we've always known who the victor was within 24 hours of Election Day going back to 1876. Why did Chris Wallace want to change that? To me, when I went back and watched and saw him do that, Hillary Clinton's voice was ringing in my ears. Well, I think Joe Biden shouldn't concede under any circumstances. Just wait and we're eventually going to... I mean, it reminded me of Stephanopoulos back in 2012 asking uh, Mitt Romney, well, do you think states should be uh, able to uh, outlaw birth control? And Romney's like, do I, what, hell, what? Excuse me? Is this thing on? What, what, are you, what are you talking about? Out of the blue, man, out of the blue. I just thought I'd throw that out there. All right, um. Lines are jammed at 877-381-3811. Every time I change callers, one will open up for you to try to get through. 
Let's take it right off the top. Let's go with uh, Russ in Atlanta. Russ, you're on the Mark Levin Show with Doc Washburn filling in. What's up? Hey, Doc. Great show. Um, Thank you. I'm calling to ask you a question. Yeah. Um, I I keep getting my hopes up, obviously, living in Georgia, seeing all the ridiculous shenanigans that are going on. I get happy and then only to find that I'm let down. Right. And with this with this Supreme Court thing, the Texas Supreme Court thing, I'm kind of beginning to feel the same way. I have a hard time believing that the Supreme Court's going to have the backbone to get in and make a decision that would change the outcome of this fraudulent election. And I'm just calling because I want to know what's what do you think? What do you think the Supreme Court's appetite is for this? That's a good question. I, I don't know, but I do know that Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito have a long history of ruling in a constitutional manner. I do know that President Trump picked Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett uh, with a distinct impression that they would rule based on the Constitution. And I think if that is the case, and again, the Texas lawsuit is so different than the other ones, it's not even about proving fraud, even though they do have a lot of attachments about the fraud. If, if what I'm seeing is correct, and this is a simple matter of these four states are violating the Constitution, I don't know how on earth Clarence Thomas, Samuel Alito, Neil Gorsuch, Brett Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett can get around that. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I heard the pain in Mark's voice last night when I listened to the show, and he was so disappointed about them not taking that Pennsylvania case immediately. And Mark is a brilliant attorney. He's a lot sharper guy than I am. So I don't know, but I'm looking at this going, okay, wait a minute. It looked like on Monday... Alito was signaling that I got some votes here and we're going to do this thing. And then a few hours after Texas files suit, I'm wondering if they didn't take it right away because they were thinking like the president is saying today on social media, Texas is the big dog. This, this suit is, is the real thing. This is what's going to do it. And you're going to take out four States, including Pennsylvania, you know, instead of, you know, just piecemeal one at a time. So, uh, you know, I'm not Nostradamus. I don't have a crystal ball. But uh, it looks like to me that this is tailor-made. And again, the point has been made that the Texas suit goes directly to the Supreme Court because the Constitution says that if there are states that have legal disputes against each other, it doesn't go anywhere else. It goes to the Supreme Court. Now, I don't know that Roberts and the Libs would be interested, but if you got five votes, you got five votes, and, and there's the deal. So I'm wondering if that's the reason that at the last minute they said, okay, wait, no, we're not going to do the Pennsylvania thing, and they didn't give any you know, explanation for it because the Texas thing had been filed like 12 hours or whatever earlier, and they're like, this, this is the one. This is the deal right here. Does that make any sense to you, Russ? Yeah, it does. It, it does. And, and, and I think that's kind of like right along the way that I'm feeling. And I hope they do take it. And I hope that we do see justice. 
and nothing would make me happier than <clears throat> to see Nancy Pelosi have to hammer the gavel and say that <laughs> Donald Trump is president. That would be oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. divine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Russ, great call, brother. I appreciate it. God bless you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I had put together a montage of celebratory music for election night that I still have not been able to use on my uh, my local show yet. And uh, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Now, never forget, Clarence Thomas remembers what Joe Biden, then chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, did to him 29 years ago, what Clarence Thomas referred to as the high-tech lynching of an uppity black man. And I don't want to say to you, I don't want to imply, I don't want you to infer that Clarence Thomas has been looking away to get back at Biden. That's not what I'm talking about. I believe Clarence Thomas is going to rule according to the Constitution. Doesn't matter if it's his bitterest enemy, that's the defendant or the plaintiff. Because I just believe he's going to rule in the Constitution. All I'm saying is it would be poetic justice. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Uh, let me see. Uh, 877-381-3811. Let me go to Phil in Midland, Texas. Phil, you are on the on the uh, Mark Levin Show. Doc Washburn filling in. What you yeah, got, brother? You? Doing great, sir. What you got? I actually felt the same way you did when they turned that down from Pennsylvania, that they had this juicier, more wad, widespread scenario that, that they could really, you know, go go for. And I and that's yeah. the same thought that I had. Yeah. But he, here's my question. You know, when we had all this stuff come about in these swing states, the first thing that came to my mind is, hey, wait a minute. Um, five of these states have Republican legislators. So I'm thinking – Man, this is this is this is great. This is on our side, you know. We, and we had two Republicans in, in Georgia and Arizona. This, you know, we've got a chance to have the legislators, you know, stand up and uh, and do their job. And right. and and you know, when you're a detective and you're researching a crime, you get all the circumstantial evidence that leads you in a direction where you're going to go to find this criminal. Well, we have all this circumstantial evidence. We have affidavits. Why Why can't that be the, the Supreme Court say, okay, we're going to kick it back to the states, to the state legislators, and we're not going to allow them to give or give any, and then it's going to go to the House. I mean, isn't there enough information to see what has, I mean, what has happened, the fraud, the lying, the cheating, yeah. that the right thing to do by the Constitution is just do not allow any of these states to certify their electors? And nobody will get to two seventies, and it automatically goes to the House, where the people who elected these represented these congressmen will still get their voice. Because according to what Obama and Justice Roberts, the elections have consequences. Oh yeah. And so, I mean, that I mean, is that is that plausible? Yeah, but the thing, Phil, is that you got to put it in front of the Supreme Court. That's why you hope and you pray that the president has good attorneys or. In the case of Texas, you know, the attorney general there, Ken Paxton, I'm sure is, is also very sharp. Or, you know, if uh, Sidney Powell should be able to get one of her uh, lawsuits in front of the Supreme Court, um, you, you got you to gotta use the right words. You got to get uh, the right case in front of the Supreme Court. And again, maybe, maybe that's why they kind of stiff-armed the Pennsylvania case for the time being, 
to go with a Texas case. Well, and I, and I totally agree. That was my first thought when that happened, yeah. because you got guys like Clarence Thomas and yeah. Oni, Amy Coney Barrett these, and Alito that these are strong conservatives. You can always count on at least Alito and Thomas because we haven't had really a history of Amy Coney Barrett. But right. the but the right thing to do is I mean nobody how can anybody say that there was no fraud or, or the attorney general saying that stupid comment he made when you have all these swing states stop voting stop yeah, counting right, exactly. I mean stop counting yeah. and then, so I mean I'm just but I'm, I got to tell you there's a slight positive in my feeling but I'm going to tell you if if Joe Biden is is sworn in as president I I just kind of going to just bow out of politics bow out of talk radio because it's it's what is what good is it doing this because yeah. the, the republicans yeah. are the because they're just so weak in the backbone a lot of more man a lot look i'm in arkansas which is a very red state and most of the republicans in our congressional delegation aren't saying much about this at all there's one of them one of the six rick crawford who is U.S. representative out of eastern Arkansas, has been consistently out there on social media saying this is insane, this can't stand, we got to stand up for our president. But all the rest of them are being pretty quiet. Uh, Phil, I appreciate your call, brother. God bless you. Make some good points there. Um, coming up, I want to tell you, I want to make my case in just a couple of minutes for why I, A, realize that if Biden were sworn in, if we did allow him to steal this thing, I don't know how we come back from it. But on the other hand, I don't think that's going to happen. So that's coming up. Uh, Doc Washburn filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. As we enter the Christmas season, most of us stop to consider our many blessings. Well, Hillsdale College wishes to thank you for standing with them as they celebrate over 175 years of blessings. Since 1844, Hillsdale has held fast to its mission to provide the kind of education essential to preserving free government. And for decades, the college has extended its educational mission on behalf of liberty through a variety of outreach programs. Perhaps you receive in Primus for free every month or have taken one of Hillsdale's excellent free online courses or have attended one of Hillsdale's free regional events. Now, you know of Hillsdale's refusal to take even one penny of government money. This independence allows the college to focus on promoting its core purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, without any government interference. At no time in our nation's history has there been a greater need for the kind of classical liberal arts education that Hillsdale offers on its campus and nationwide. So during this season of blessings, Hillsdale thanks you for your partnership in extending its mission to the country. To learn more about Hillsdale College, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. It's Doc Washburn filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, from his affiliate in Little Rock, Arkansas, K-A-R-N. Okay, I said before the break, look, I get it that if we let Biden and the commies steal this thing, I don't see how we come back from it. I understand that. But I think Trump understands it, too. Recently, a tweet that he put out there on Twitter from 2012 resurfaced. He was talking about computers switching votes from Romney to Obama. 
back in 2012, okay? I think he's known this has come for eight years. Um, I think that the executive order he did in September 2018, making our federal elections a critical part of our national security infrastructure meant something. I think a lot of people are trying to um, basically disrespect Sidney Powell. I don't think she's crazy. She's a former federal prosecutor. She's a brilliant attorney. There's a reason General Michael Flynn has her as his attorney. General Flynn is very close to the president. And so when Sidney Powell says the Trump team was sitting there on election night watching them steal the votes in real time, why would she say that if it's not true? Don't discount the possibility that President Trump might have a few aces up his sleeve that he's not talking about. You know, I, I'm on social media a lot. I don't have time to be on Facebook very much because i got to be on Twitter because that's where news breaks, and I'm looking forward to Parler, hoping everything goes over there, and that's great. i got a placeholder account there. But I'm uh, not a normal person like yourself. i got to all the time be looking for breaking news and stuff on on Twitter, and I see so many conservatives are so furious, so furious with Attorney General William Barr and U.S. Attorney John Durham, by the way, now Special Counsel John Durham, and FBI Director Christopher Wray. And they're like, why doesn't the president just go ahead and fire these people? They're not doing a daggum thing. This is ridiculous. I don't know why he puts up with them. Well, he fired a big cabinet secretary about uh, six days after the election. But it wasn't anybody has anything to do with DOJ. He fired his Secretary of Defense, Mark Esper. And he replaced him with a spec ops legend, a guy named Christopher C. Miller. And also, they put a guy named Ezra Cohen-Watnick, pardon me, Ezra Cohen-Watnick in charge of spec ops, who did a little speech there, Right about then, talking about how now Spec Ops is on the same level with Secretary of the Army, Secretary of the Navy, Secretary of the Air Force. You heard about any of this stuff? And they took a guy named Cash Patel, who was Devin Nunes' right-hand man when they brought out all the stuff about the Russiagate hoax, and he's the chief of staff of the Secretary of Defense. But... President Trump didn't make any DOJ moves. He made moves at DOD. Well, I think that is. I just think there's a lot more going on than is out there on the surface. And never forget, a guy named Sun Tzu, S-U-N-T-Z-U, the art of war. Always try to make your enemy think that you are disorganized and fumbling around and there's dissension in the ranks. And then fall on like a hammer. Who knows? Could happen. Crazier things have, right? Doc Washman filling for the great one. Mark Levin. More coming up. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hey, this is Doc Washburn, afternoon talk show host for Mark's affiliate in Little Rock, Arkansas, K-A-R-N. Now, so I do the show at the biggest talk radio station in Arkansas, in Little Rock, and I have always admired our Senator Tom Cotton. He graduated Harvard Law, joined the United States Army, but instead of being an attorney and judge advocate general's corps, he chose the infantry. Tom Cotton risked his life in combat for our country in Iraq and Afghanistan when he could have had a cushy job as a military lawyer. So always nothing but respect for me to Tom Cotton. So Tuesday of last week, one of my callers said he was concerned that Senator Cotton had been on our morning show on KRN and didn't sound like he thought the president had much of a path going forward to win this thing. And that didn't sound right to me because I've said consistently, if we let them steal this obvious landslide from President Trump, I don't know how we come back from that. But a lot of times I don't get up early enough to hear interviews on the morning show, so I hadn't heard that one. So we got it and we played the relevant part back on my show, and it began with our morning show host asking Senator Tom Cotton, if it was time for the president to accept a Biden win and move on. And so let me see. I, I don't know if I, I get the volume right on this, but but here we go. Here was Senator Cotton's uh, response. We had a huge election in the Senate and the House and state legislatures, not in spite of the president, but because of the president. OK, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know what? You know what? I'm sorry. That was the that was the wrong one. That was the wrong one. Okay. Whatever. That that was oh, oh, I get it. That was from the uh that was from the Fox and Friends. I'm sorry. I I I'm getting goofed up. It's live radio. Anyway, Senator Tom Cotton went on 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 our morning show on KRN and and said this. However, the evidence has to be adduced in courts and has to stand up to scrutiny. And you're right that some of the claims that some people who are purporting to represent the president are simply not supported by the evidence. Okay, so that was kind of troubling to me. That was kind of troubling to me. I mean, will will they prove it in court or will they won't prove it in court? What evidence, what claims, what's not supported? I don't know. That, 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 that kind of confused me. So here is more from uh, Senator Cotton on our morning show in Little Rock. So as more and more states certify their elections and the evidence is not there that there was sufficiently widespread fraud um, or irregularities to change the results, not just in one state, but in three states that would change the results of the Electoral College, then it does become time to move on towards an orderly transition. That's one reason why the president last week directed the General Services Administration to release the federal monies and office space and resources uh, to Joe Biden's team so they can begin to prepare for that. Okay, first of all, I read the letter from the director of the General Services Administration when she announced that she was going to release several million dollars to Joe Biden for the transition. 
First of all, she and her staff were getting death threats. A lot of death threats. Secondly, she made it very clear in her letter, not only does the GSA uh, not determine who won the election, but there's nothing in the law or the Constitution which gives her any direction on what to do as far as releasing money to a transition team in the case of a contested election, which is clearly what we have going on here. It's also unclear whether she made the decision or the president made the decision. What is clear is that the GSA director releasing money to Biden for a transition has absolutely nothing to do with the idea that President Trump signaled he's done, because he certainly hasn't. Good grief. But wait, but wait. There is more. And it goes like this. Look, this is all playing out in accordance with legal processes, though, and I'll continue to do so through December 14th when the electors meet in their various state capitals to cast their ballots. Really, Senator Cotton? I don't know how to say this because, again, Tom Cotton graduated Harvard Law, and I sure didn't. But I can't find anything in the Constitution which says that a presidential election cannot be challenged past December 14th. It's just not in there. As a matter of fact, we didn't know who the winner of the 1876 presidential election was until 48 hours before the inauguration. And back then, that was in early March. So, then our morning show guy asked Senator Cotton why the process continues. Now, remember, this was eight days ago. This was Tuesday morning last week. Asked some big proof of big fraud and whether the president's refusal to give up was undermining the election process. If any results are going to change, of course, the proof has to be produced in court and there has to be a court victory. When you pass the election, when the campaign is over, uh, which was the time for politicians, you're in the time for lawyers and letting the facts and the law dictate the results. That's the case in the presidential election. That's the case in the recount that we've had in Arkansas that we're still having places like Iowa and New York where you have congressional races that are decided by six or, or 13 votes. Okay, that's good. Uh, there's definitely a lot going on in the courts. Um, More from Tom Cotton on our morning show from Tuesday of last week. Now, we have seen, as I said, evidence of irregularities or some fraud, and I think that legislators at state level and in Congress should take that seriously and review it in the future to see what we can do to better secure the sanctity of our ballots. Oh, really? In the future? Again, if we let them steal this landslide from us, there won't be a future. Donald Trump got more votes than anyone ever has, including, in my humble opinion, Joe Biden. If we let China and big tech steal this election, they will also steal the two upcoming U.S. Senate elections in Georgia, and then we're done. If we let them steal this, there will be no securing the sanctity of our ballots in the future. They'll do away with the Electoral College, make Puerto Rico and the District of Columbia states, thus adding four more Democrat senators and pack the U.S. Supreme Court. Where does that end? I mean, this is, this is unbelievable to me. And yet, here's more. But without evidence of sufficiently widespread irregularities or fraud that would um, flip the results 
and not just one, but three critical states, then you would expect the Electoral College to cast its vote on December 14th, and that um, that will be the end of the matter. I was so disappointed. The nonchalance really disturbed me. First of all, there's more than enough evidence of fraud to flip the results in more than three states. And I believe there was eight days ago when Senator Cotton went on our morning show in Little Rock. Second of all, a whole lot of people in Arkansas believe that Tom Cotton plans to run for president in 2024. He'd probably be a good president. But if we let them steal this, I don't know how we will ever be able to elect another Republican president. Because, see, the plan, obviously, is to lock the fraud in place. The plan is to make sure the whole country runs like the well-oiled machine of fraudulent Philly and fraudulent Detroit. If we let them steal it, I, I just don't see how we come back from that. So I called Tom Cotton out on that on my local show Tuesday afternoon of last week, also on social media. The next morning, somebody texted me a tweet from President Trump, which said, thank you to Senator Tom Cotton for the really nice words and all we are doing and have done. We will win, exclamation mark. So that was confusing. I knew it could not have been in response to what the senator had said on our local station the day before. So I did some digging and found out he was on Fox and Friends, Steve, Angeli, and Brian, the next morning. The hosts were calling Biden the president-elect, which is always frustrating for me because, first of all, I don't believe he is. And secondly, I was disappointed the senator didn't push back. Would it have hurt to say something like, well, now, wait a minute. This thing isn't over yet. The Fox and Friends host asked Senator Cotton about some of Biden's cabinet nominees, and he did a great job of explaining how radical these people are. No question about that. But it's just really troubling that the whole thing was presented as a done deal, a fait accompli, if you will. As the interview went on, I was wondering what in the world Tom Cotton had said that got such a positive response out there on Twitter from President Trump the next day. And then this happened. I think the president will have a very positive impact in Georgia. Just look across the country. He got 10 million more votes than he did in 2016. Remarkable turnout. And that helped Republicans win the Senate seats that we did, and it helped us gain House seats against all the expectations of the Democrats and the media. We had a huge election in the Senate and the House and state legislatures, not in spite of the president, but because of the president. So he's going to go down to Georgia, and he is going to rally those supporters and urge them to get out to vote for his good friends and allies, David Perdue and Kelly Leffler, one more time on January 5th. That's what is so essential if you want to preserve everything that we hold dear about this country. So that was Tom Cotton's answer when Brian Kilmeade asked what impact the president would have when he went down to Georgia to campaign for Senators Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue last Saturday. So that's it. And every word of that is true. Tom Cotton is one of numerous Republican politicians who understand what is at stake in Georgia. By the way, if you're registered to vote in Georgia, please get out and vote for Kelly Loeffler and David Perdue. What I don't understand is people who get how important the upcoming election is in Georgia, but don't seem to understand how important the resolution of the presidential election is. I mean, listen again. 
Listen again to what Tom Cotton said on Fox and Friends a week ago today. We had a huge election in the Senate and the House and state legislatures, not in spite of the president, but because of the president. Right. Exactly. Finally. Thank you, Tom Cotton. That's how you know President Trump won in a landslide. No president running for re-election has ever been defeated when his party picked up seats in the House. It is inconceivable. It has never happened. Donald Trump won this thing in a landslide. You know it. I know it. Tom Cotton's words lay out the evidence succinctly. What I don't understand is why more Republican officeholders aren't making the case, why more Republican politicians aren't rejecting the narrative that Joe Biden is somehow president-elect just because the media says he is. It's incomprehensible to me. And by the way, God bless Senator Ted Cruz for volunteering to argue one of the Pennsylvania cases before the Supreme Court if somehow that should happen. All right, 877-381-3811 to get into the conversation. I'm Doc Washburn filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. Did you know your family can save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk from Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile? Think about it. What could your family do with an extra $800? You don't even have to sacrifice coverage. Pure Talk has exactly the same coverage, same bars as one of the big carriers, but they charge you half. You definitely don't have to sacrifice customer service. Their team is based right here in the U.S. and are some of the nicest people you'll ever talk to. So don't wait anymore. Get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. No, not even a penny. So go to puretalkusa.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll also save 50% off your first month. Folks, this is the best. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Doc Washburn filling in for the great one, Mark Levin, from his affiliate in Little Rock, K-A-R-N. I don't think I've ever said this on the radio before, but I will be the roundabout. All right, we got breaking news. President Trump has asked Texas Senator Ted Cruz to present a case from his state's attorney general seeking to invalidate the election results of several key battleground states before the U.S. Supreme Court should it decide to hear the suit. New York Times reported that today. That's a beautiful thing, man. That's a beautiful thing. I I don't know if you all old enough to remember, but um, back during the primary season, 2015, 2016, um, there was no love lost between President Trump and Ted Cruz. And once he got elected, I think this president and the senator looked at each other and said, I tell you what, why don't we team up for the good of the country? I thought you never asked. Good idea. And that's what they did. That's what they did. God bless Texas and God bless our president and, uh, and Senator Cruz. All right, 877-381-3811. Let's try to get some calls in here. Uh, let me go with, um, we've got a couple of minutes for a Jimmy in New York City. Jimmy, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Doc Washington filling in. What's up, brother? 
You're doing a great job. Just as uh, just as Iran has terror groups, proxy terror groups that work for Iran as terrorists in several areas, our enemies have proxy political groups and proxy movements. One of the movements in America from the communist Chinese is a group called the Chinese Progressive Association. Okay. So the Chinese Progressive Association works for Red China, but they set up a group called Seed the Vote, and they take credit. They take credit for changing the vote or bringing the vote to Biden in six of the seven swing states. Now, when they say they said it did it through massive voter registration and get out the vote. But that's sort of the wink, wink. You know, they do dirty work. This is a communist sure. movement. Sure. And well, now Frank Gaffney, who is a top national security guy for President Reagan, on his website, he lays it out. So Frank Gaffney, Gaffney who worked for Reagan, has a website. It's uh Give me a second here. I just lost it. Gaffney's a good guy. It's the Committee on the Present Danger. You can yeah, check out Committee on the Present Danger at China, okay. and it's laid out there what the Chinese communists say they did in the six of the seven swing states. So our enemy operates here. You know, oh, yeah. the Soviets have the World Peace Council, the World Council of Churches. They have the Institute for Policy Studies, and they had uh, several other groups. The, the so National Council Soviet American Friendship was a KGB operation at the same dress, uh, address as Senator Kerry's Vietnam Veterans Against the War. So wow. the enemy operations here have been going on for decades, decades. Yeah, they have. China now, the last 30 years or so, out there big time, and everybody, all the enemies celebrating Biden. They want him to be president. So Trump really has to continue to fight. And yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. Jimmy, great call, brother. I appreciate you. Great information there. Thank you very much. God bless you, Frank Gaffney, Committee on the Present Danger. Um, I suppose a lot of Mark's listeners have already seen that viral video out, video out there of the Chinese uh, government official laughing about them helping to get Biden elected. Uh, it was pretty quickly wiped off of social media in China. But it's, uh, it's, it's out there on Twitter, and I bet it's out there on Parlor, too. All right, more calls coming up at 877-381-3811. I am Doc Washburn filling in for the great one. It's an honor to be in for Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Mark Levin, radio's hell-raising intellectual. Call now, 877-381-3811. 
Hey, Doc Washburn, filling in for the great one. Always an honor. Always an honor to get the call. Um, am I crazy? Am I crazy? When I look at this thing and go, okay, wait a minute. Trump got at least 10 million votes more this time than last time. But they want us to think that Biden got like 15 million more votes than Barack did in 2012. 12 million more than he did in 2008. And um, Trump could pack an auditorium or an airplane runway or whatever, 30 or 40,000 people, sub-freezing weather. And Biden couldn't even get 100 people to show up, right? Um, now, when Barack was running, he was kind of like a rock star. He could fill a stadium, and he did. But when he went to campaign for Joe Biden a few days before the election in Philly, a drive-in rally or whatever couldn't get more like 100 cars. For that matter, Mr. Producer, I don't know if you saw this, but I think it was a weekend before the election. John Bon Jovi himself, he and a couple other people were campaigning for Joe Biden, singing their, their songs, playing their music for like 12 people and seven pumpkins in eastern Pennsylvania. Couldn't have been too far from New Jersey, where Bon Jovi is from. And I don't know if uh, a lot of my listeners in the South realize this, but up in Jersey, Bon Jovi, he's like a rock star, you know? 1,002, 1,003, 1,004. Rich, I'm not even going to chuckle out of that? Nothing? Gosh. Anyway, thanks. Thanks so much. I can feel the love. Thanks. I'll be here all week. Come early Friday for the No Smoking Show. Be sure to try the veal. Remember your waitress. <sighs> so we're supposed to think this guy that uh, nobody would show up for, nobody would go to his rallies, got over 80 million votes. You know that's not true. We all know that's not true. Even Adam Schiff and Eric Swalwell, oh, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to curse on the air. He's got some issues. Eric Swalwell? <laughs> the media is saying, by the way, that uh, Chinese spy there, the, 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 the cute-looking gal, did you have some kind of a thing going on with her? <laughs> and Swalwell's office was, we have no comment. <laughs> so I had a caller before the uh, bottom of the hour break said, you know, they have ways of infiltrating. And they got spies, and they got organizations. I felt like saying, yeah, they kind of got a honeypot sometimes too, you know. Anybody know the World War I history, Mata Hari? They say that history doesn't always repeat itself, but sometimes it rhymes. Okay. All right. 877-381-3811. Time to get some callers in here. Uh, let me go with Tyler and... Altos, Oklahoma, who's been very patient. We appreciate you're on the uh, Mark Levin Show. Doc Washburn filling in. Tyler, what, what do you think? Is, is Tyler How's it there? Going? Oh, there you go. Uh, it's, uh, it's going Altos, good, sir. What actually. you got? Can you hear me? Yeah, loud yes. and clear. Go right ahead. So uh, I think that Republicans, the, we need to learn how to chew gum and walk at the same time. 
Yes. And so this this Georgia thing, I mean, we, we do not give up on Trump in any way. Right. Because he did win the election. We need to fight that out, whatever. But yeah. this Georgia election, it's like the, the difference between Republicans and Democrats is that we're always caught flat footed. I mean, I don't know how they didn't they didn't pay attention to the fact that the Democrats had changed the law in Pennsylvania a year ago. Why didn't they sue that? You know, that that's just stupid. But this thing in Georgia, I am very afraid. And it was it, as soon as I saw that number go below 50 percent for David Perdue on election night and I knew it was a fraud. I'm like, there's no way because right. they had to get that number just right. And they're like, out, you know, the algorithms they used to to cheat. Yep. They did that. And so I was like, great. Now, every member of Antifa, where are they right now? Well, the Antifa Klux Klan, all the AKK people, they were on buses to go to Atlanta to take up temporary residence to register to vote. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm confident that they were going to do that and that George Soros and whoever else was going to be paying to get these guys there. So what the Republicans need to do, and they need to do it now and not wait until after the two Senate seats are lost, is they need to sue in federal court and make it so that anybody who voted anywhere else in the entire country on election day is ineligible to vote in that runoff because no one has the right to count as more than one person. And yeah. one person, one vote is, is sacrosanct. And Absolutely. so they need to make it so that the equal protection clause of the Constitution is protected and make it so that anyone who voted anywhere else cannot vote in that race. And I don't know why no one's talking about that, that they that, you know, that there are good. I mean, it was Andrew Yang even said he was going to move to Georgia and to help okay. them win. So, it's well, like, you know, Tyler, you make a very valid point. And, and, and to go a little bit further, my understanding is that in a lot of states, and I'm pretty sure Georgia is one of them. I, I, I read about this somewhere the other day. You don't even have the legal right to run, uh, to vote in the runoff if you're a Georgia resident registered to vote and you didn't vote in the general election. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now I don't know about that, but I mean, I, I don't know about that because I, I mean, I guess there could be a case where they, you know, they're, they're doing a protest vote during the during the primaries, or whatever. Yeah. So, I mean, as long as but no, you're right. You're right. There should be some kind of preemptive action. Uh, but the problem is, uh, Sidney Powell, Michael Flynn's attorney, who's bringing suit against several states on the electronic uh, uh, monkeying around there with Dominion systems, she's already said uh, Governor Kemp and Secretary of State Raffensperger are corrupt. You know, when, when you got allegations out there that they've been bribed, he has some real problems, and President Trump has, has called these guys out also. So I think that a lot of things need to happen between now and January 5th, that uh, that Georgia runoff. I think you're right. I don't know about Loeffler because she was in like a, a general election was kind of like a jungle primary. There were, there were a bunch of people on there. But there's no way, no, no way in the world that Purdue legitimately got less than 50%. There's just no way. But he didn't, though. Yeah, he did not. He just they they changed the numbers at the end. Right. Exactly. To make sure he was just under there, and then they're like, "Okay, we've we've got it." Right. Exactly. You know, for that matter, and I appreciate your call, Tyler. God bless you. Thank you. For that matter, I think when it's all said and done, if you can get audits and you can go back and get the legit vote, 
I think you're going to see a Republican pick up in the United States Senate in Arizona and one in Michigan. I don't believe Doug Kelly beat Martha McSally in Arizona, and I don't believe that John James was beat by Gary Peters, the incumbent Democrat in, in Michigan. And if you could take care of that foolishness, then you still need to elect Loeffler and, uh, and Purdue, but, you know, we shouldn't lose any seats in the Senate. All right, 877-381-3811. Let me go to Bob and Bend, Oregon. Bob, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Doc Washer filling in. What's up, brother? Oh, well, I'm all out here listening to all this crap going on. I wanted to bring something up that's really old. Yeah. Back in 1948, uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson was running for his first seat in the U.S. Senate. Yep. And they were counting the vote. Okay? Yep. And he uh, was behind by about 50 votes. So his campaign manager has left and went over to Alice, Texas, and came back with a ballot box that had 250 ballots in it. Yep. They were all filled out with the same pen, the same handwriting. The Box 13 scandal is what it's called in, in history, but go ahead. Yeah, I know. Okay. We call it the landslide Linden case. Okay. Yep. And all that I can say, that stuff has been going on since 1948. Yep. And I am glad that at last we've got somebody up there fighting to try to stop this stupid crap. That's all I really wanted to say. Well, Bob, I appreciate your passion, brother. Appreciate your heart. God bless you. Thank you very much. You are correct. A few years ago, I found out something I never knew about. The Watergate Committee. United States Senator Sam Irvin was in charge of that. uh, An old line Democrat. The Watergate Committee. I was in high school and... Instead of going to the cafeteria, we used to bring a lunch so we could run the homeroom and watch the Watergate Committee hearings on a little black and white TV. I know you think that's crazy, but we did. What I didn't know was when they were putting the committee together, the Republicans on the Watergate Committee wanted to investigate the election fraud and the funny business that LBJ, President Johnson, had done. And the Democrats who were in the majority in the Senate were like, oh, no, 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 no. We're just going to investigate Nixon and Watergate. Too bad you don't have the votes. Did you have any idea? Had you ever heard that? It shocked me when I found out about it. Just like people saying, you know, it's a shame we don't have anybody anymore that we can trust in the mainstream media on the the net the evening news on NBC, CBS, or ABC. A guy like Walter Cronkite versus December twelfth, nineteen seventy nine. That's the way it is. It's a shame we don't have anybody like that anymore. Uncle Walter, a guy we could trust. And then I found out a few years ago, he lied to us. He was a big lib. Vietnam War, the Tet Offensive, we won. He told us we lost. He lied to us.
The things you find out all these years later, all these years later, you find out that Teddy Kennedy in the early 80s reached out to the Soviet Union to try to figure out how they could conspire to keep Ronald Reagan from being reelected. He should have gone to prison for that. The evidence came out when the Soviet Union fell, the Venona papers, all the KGB archives came out. Didn't he use his friend uh, John Tunney, former senator, Democrat senator from California, as intermediary, I, I believe? You find out all these stuff, these things years later. Well, Teddy's gone. He had to uh, answer to a higher court. Mary Jo Kopechny, unavailable for, uh, for comment, but um, I, I don't know. I just don't think there's any kind of, uh, I wonder if there's a statute of limitation on treason, you know, for people that are still here. I'm just asking. Um, so coming up in Mark's third hour, uh, we're going to have some um, explosive testimony from a U.S. Senate committee yesterday, a doctor who says looks like they may have a cure for the communist Chinese coronavirus. That's coming up at the... Uh, top of the third hour. More of your calls coming up in just a few moments at 877-381-3811. As the Mark Levin Show continues, the Doc Washburn filling in from Little Rock. Mark Levin. Did you know your family can save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk from Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile? Think about it. What could your family do with an extra $800? You don't even have to sacrifice coverage. Pure Talk has exactly the same coverage, same bars as one of the big carriers, but they charge you half. You definitely don't have to sacrifice customer service. Their team is based right here in the U.S. and are some of the nicest people you'll ever talk to. So don't wait anymore. Get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't charge you for it. No, not even a penny. So go to puretalkusa.com, enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll also save 50% off your first month. Folks, this is the best. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. I'll take some smoked Gouda if it's all the same to you. Um, beautiful Christmas music there. Love that stuff. I'm Doc Washburn from Mark's Affiliate, in K-A-R-N, in Little Rock. And let's try to get some calls in here at 877-381-3811. I want to go to uh, Sandy in Lebanon, Indiana. Sandy, what's up? Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. I am so excited to get to talk to you. I was listening to your show earlier. Yes, ma'am. And I agree with you 100%. President Trump has a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. And truthfully, we don't need to know about. Right. We just need to be patient and sit back. You know, now do what we have to do, what we can do. And what we can do is stay positive. Sure. Instead of giving in and saying, well, it's over. No, it's yeah. not over. 
He's not going to concede. He's, he stepped into this position knowing what he was getting into. I would Absolutely. have done left the first week. <laughs> but he stayed, he stayed in that position. He's put up with everything for us. We have to show him that we're not giving up and we're backing him. And we can do that even when we're not at rallies. We can still be positive when we're single, sitting, sitting out, you know, sitting back. And the positivity is, is going to be in the air. And when we get together, when he has those rallies, we all just have to show up. If we have drive rallies, we have anything, any kind of thing so that he sees you still have us. We have your back. And we what? are depending on him. Yeah. And, Sandy, I was talking to a friend the other day who is financially pretty well off. said, well, what can I do? I said, well, um, if you're well off, it might not be a bad idea to uh, – uh, you know, uh, make a contribution to Sidney Powell's 501c4. It's not tax deductible. Uh, Trump's legal team, I don't know if it is or not, but, you know, if you got a couple of bucks, uh, might not be a bad thing to do. Um, you know, uh, but, but yeah, it, you know, I noticed too, um, President Trump tweeted, I think it was earlier today, on election night, the bookies in Vegas were giving him like 97% chance of winning. And oddly enough, uh, they haven't paid off yet. So you got the AP out there and all the mainstream media. What do you mean you won't say president-elect Joe Biden? You know he's the president-elect. I'm like, uh, Vegas hasn't paid off. What are you talking about? <laughs> no. They, they, everybody needs to leave that fake media, fake news, fake everything alone. Yeah. You know, They can listen to you guys. They can listen to Newsmax. But leave everything else alone because they're, only get, they're trying to program everybody. And it's not going to work yeah, because... Biggest part of us are the working class. I'm one of the middle class, working class. What they don't, what those Democrats and those bad people don't realize is that we've worked hard all our life. We're not giving up. No, we're not. We've never had that choice to give up. We're not. Sandy, great call. I got to run to it, but thank you so much. God bless you. By the way, remember Life, Liberty, and Levin Sunday nights on Fox, and then they repeat it on Saturday night. You want to check it out this Saturday night. Uh, Daniel Horowitz, a great Daniel Horowitz, conservative review, was on talking about the election mess. If you didn't catch it last Sunday, catch it this Saturday night. I'm Doc Washburn in for Mark Levin. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. And also the Department of Health COVID map from the state I'm in, Arkansas, several times a day. And I shared the numbers on these maps with my listeners every day on my local radio talk show in Little Rock. I warned my listeners repeatedly 
how contagious this disease is and how important it was for them to do what I was doing at the time. When Dr. Fauci and the CDC announced how important it was to wear a mask, when you go out, I started wearing a mask faithfully. When any of my listeners called me up to disagree, I recited the party line as politely as I could about how contagious COVID is and how we couldn't be too careful. Well, my first moment of doubt was when the New York Health Department announced they were going to add 3,500 people to their COVID death total whom they had not actually tested for the disease before they passed. I'm like, wait, 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 what? Well, we're pretty sure they had it. Later, the CDC edited their website without telling anyone to reflect their newfound belief that people do not actually catch COVID-19 from dry surfaces after all. What? Still later, an official spokesperson for the World Health Organization made the claim that people did not actually contract COVID-19 from asymptomatic people. Of course, that claim was walked back a few days later, but the point had been made. Eventually, the director of the CDC admitted that hospitals had a financial interest in positive COVID-19 cases. Now, in March of this year, both Dr. Anthony Fauci and the Surgeon General pleaded with us not to wear masks if we were healthy. When they changed their tune, they and the CDC told us that the mask does not protect the wearer, but it certainly does protect other people from catching COVID from the wearer, you know, if you don't realize you already have it. However, a few weeks ago, CDC Director Robert Redfield publicly announced he thought wearing a mask would protect him better than taking a vaccine would. Now the University of Arkansas Medical System is running ads saying the mask also protects the wearer. I'll bet hospitals are doing the same thing wherever you live, too. If they aren't, they will be soon. How the narrative shifts. Does anyone remember the documents signed by hundreds of frontline healthcare workers a few days after the death of George Floyd, declaring social justice is more important than social distancing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All these folks who called Trump rallies super spreader events suddenly wanted people to take to the streets to, quote, peacefully protest, unquote. Why do you think Trump started calling his rallies peaceful, peaceful protests? Now, did you hear the CDC announced several days before Election Day that voting was so important that if people who had tested positive for COVID had not early voted, they should go to their polling places even if they were symptomatic? That's crazy. For Thanksgiving, the CDC recommended avoiding singing and shouting, keeping music levels down, and limiting alcohol consumption for no apparent reason. So I guess if the music is too loud, then then you're more susceptible to catch this stuff. It's insane. Now that a New England Journal of Medicine article dated May 21st, 2020, 
written by four doctors and a nurse, says, and I quote, We know that wearing a mask outside healthcare facilities offers little, if any, pardon me, offers little, if any, protection from infection. Public health authorities define a significant exposure to COVID-19 as face-to-face contact within six feet with a patient with symptomatic COVID-19 that is sustained for at least a few minutes, and some say more than 10 minutes or even 30 minutes. So the chance of catching COVID-19 from a passing interaction in a public space is therefore minimal. In many cases, the desire for widespread masking is a reflexive reaction to anxiety over the pandemic, unquote. But what really put the icing on the cake of hypocrisy was the news with accompanying photos that California Governor Gavin Newsom recently attended a loud dinner party indoors at an expensive restaurant called The French Laundry in Napa Valley Wine Country with 21 other people in the same room. There were no masks. There was no socialist distancing. The party was attended by people from the California Medical Association, including the CEO and chief lobbyist. Now we see that those who set the rules, at least in California, don't believe what they tell us. If Governor Newsom of California and the head of the California Medical Association actually thought they were at risk, they would have worn masks and practiced socialist distancing as they insist the rest of us do. Governor Newsom recently insisted his citizens put on masks between bites while eating at home. Two days after the pictures of his dinner party were published, he announced he was shutting down all restaurants for indoor and outdoor dining in 94% of the state. He's throwing thousands of people out of work. A few weeks ago, Alabama Crimson Tide football coach Nick Saban tested positive for COVID-19 on Wednesday. So everybody thought he wasn't going to be allowed to coach that Saturday's game, but he tested negative Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, so he is good to go. So how many false positives are there out there? Millions of Americans test positive for COVID but never exhibit symptoms. We're supposed to believe they have it. How do we know if they actually have it? R&B music artist Erica Badu recently tested positive in one nostril and negative in the other in quick succession at the same setting, same nurse. What we do know is we're dealing with a disease with something like a 99.98% survival rate. What we also know is when the U.S. COVID death toll hit 180,000, the CDC announced 94% of those people who died with COVID had an average of 2.6 other comorbidities. So so they're only sure that about 9,800 people actually died from COVID. Did the rest of the 180,000 die from COVID or just with COVID? Because if it was just with it, and fewer than 10,000 people have died from it, well then, more people died from the H1N1 back in 2009, a regular pandemic without mask mandates and shutdowns. 
By the way, it has also been reported that deaths from the flu and pneumonia this year are way down. And the number of overall deaths has not increased since last year. So again, I mean, overall deaths in this country from everything. So again, we have allowed our leaders to do untold damage to our way of life because of fear of what a disease with a 99.98% survival rate will do to us. In mid-November, former U.S. Secretary of Education under Barack Obama, Arne Duncan in Chicago, announced he and his family had tested positive for COVID. He was perplexed. He went out there on Twitter and he said, how do we catch it? I don't know. We wore masks. We socially distanced. We avoided crowds. We haven't had people in our house. So there is plenty of evidence available that people who do exactly what our overlords tell us to do get it anyway. Coming up, I got bombshell testimony from yesterday's Senate hearing and a lot more. Plus your calls at 877-381-3811. I'm Doc Washburn filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Doc Washburn filling in for Mark Levin from his Little Rock affiliate, K-A-R-N. Okay, before I get to the bombshell testimony from yesterday's Senate hearing, I want to share with you something a fellow named Rich Higgins put on Twitter back in July. Here's what he said. In four months, the U.S. transformed into an obedient socialist country. Government dictated what events are acceptable to attend. Violent protests that instill fear are okay, but church services, family funerals, and patriotic celebrations are dangerous. And you bought it without a fight. Standing in graduation line is a safety hazard. Small businesses were forced to close, but crowds to support the corporate money machine at Walmart Lowe's and Home Depot are okay. Come on, man, it's just a mask. Come on, man, it's just safety precautions. Hey, how about a little hush money? 
Here's $2,400 that we stole out of your paycheck in the first place. Enjoy. Buy something with it from a big corporation. Cash is dirty. We don't give change. There's a coin shortage. Use your card. In four months, they convince you to use a traceable card for everything. In less than four months, government closed public schools, then restructured education under the guise of public safety. In less than four months, our government demonstrated how easily people assimilate to so-called guidelines that have no scientific premise whatsoever when you are fearful. In less than four months, our government successfully instilled fear in a majority of the population in America that allows them to control every aspect of your life, including what you eat, where you go, who you see, and even purchasing toilet paper. And the most dangerous and terrifying part? People are not afraid of the government who remove their freedom. They're afraid of their neighbors, family, and friends. And they hate those who won't comply. It's absolutely terrifying to me that so many people don't question authority. They're willing to surrender their critical thinking skills and independence. They just gave up without thinking, without a fight. You know what's coming next? It's just a vaccine. Come on, it's for the greater good. Wait until you're told that you can't enter any store or business without proof of the COVID-19 vaccine. Wait until you can't go to public events or get on a plane without proof of receiving the vaccine. To everyone that doesn't believe this is possible, do you understand that government successfully dictated to people when they were allowed to be outside, where they were allowed to go, and how their children would be educated in less than four months? And that a majority of the population followed blindly because they were told to do so. You're kidding yourself. If you think this behavior won't be repeated with a vaccine, or whatever the next step is. I don't follow politics. Ah, who cares about that stuff? Uh, I don't like to think about it. They got you. Without a thought without a fight, just like France, just like Russia, just like China. Welcome aboard, comrade. That was uh, Rich Higgins back in July on Twitter, and I couldn't have said it better myself. Now, we got this bombshell testimony coming up about a possible uh, cure for the COVID-19 after the bottom of the hour break, but let me grab a phone call here real quick first. Andrew in Cape May, New Jersey. You're on the Mark Levin Show with Doc Washburn. What's up? I just wanted to let you know I'm a professor of medicine, and I'm very upset that these experts are not understanding the fundamentals of immunology. In other words, in order for the immune response of our body to take over, we have to come in contact with the pathogen. Uh, Masks are useless. There was a study done about 20 years ago, surgical masks, they have a seven-minute lifespan, and then they're absolutely useless. Wow. But most of the people don't want to do the research and understand what's going on. Right, right. Well, there's a Danish study that recently came out, too, about masks being useless. But, you know, um, the, the crazy thing is, you know, I go in a restaurant. If I got a mask on, I can smell the food. I can smell the perfume from the lady next to me, but I'm supposed to think that nothing can get through the mask. Andrew, does that make any sense to you at all? Exactly. It makes absolutely no sense, 
and we should not let bureaucrats rule our lives. We need to stand up on our own two feet, educate ourselves, and say, enough is enough. How long is this going to go on till the world comes to an end? Yeah, I think it'll probably go on longer in blue states than red states, and I don't think that if and when President Trump is inaugurated a second time, there will be mandatory vaccines or anything like that. I'm sure that Biden would be just fine with it, though, if you catch my drift. Andrew, great call, brother. I appreciate your patience. God bless you. Thank you very much. So the testimony coming up in front of Senator Ron Johnson, chairman of the U.S. Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs from yesterday, and this is a bombshell, I believe. More coming up straight ahead. Doc Washburn filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. The Mark Levin Show, the pool feed for the conservative media. Dive in now, 877-381-3811. Hey, Doc Washburn filling in for Mark Levin from his affiliate in Little Rock, K-A-R-N. Okay, now, here is Senator Ron Johnson yesterday in a meeting of the U.S. Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs. He is the chairman. Here we go. Our next witness is here in person, Dr. Pierre Corey. Dr. Corey is the former associate professor and chief of the critical care service and medical director of the Trauma and Life Support Center at the University of Wisconsin and recently joined the ICU service at Aurora St. Luke Medical Center in Milwaukee. He is board certified in critical medicine, pulmonary diseases, and internal medicine. Dr. Corey has traveled across multiple states in the U.S. to care for COVID-19 patients throughout the pandemic. He is also the president of the Frontline COVID-19 Critical Care Alliance a nonprofit organization of critical care specialists led by Professor Paul Merrick, whose mission over the last nine months has focused on the research and development of effective treatment protocols for COVID-19 using repurposed drugs. He received his MD from St. George's University School of Medicine. And I'll, I'll only add that uh, we added Dr. Corey very late to our, I think, a hearing in May uh, because I'd heard of uh, his development of, I guess, anti-inflammatory steroids in critical care on COVID. And Dr. Corey, I have to tell you, I've had doctors come up to me and thank me for holding that hearing where they listen to you change their thinking. They believe they've saved their patients' lives because of your testimony at that hearing. I, I hope your testimony will be as impactful today. Dr. Corey. Okay, now, so this is Dr. Pierre Corey. He's obviously... 
a serious doctor with impeccable credentials, as you just heard. So, as one of my favorite YouTube song reaction guys, Javon, or Javon over at JVTV would say, let's get into it and see what he has to say. Senator, thank you, and and thank you for uh, holding this hearing. I just want to start out, I didn't think I'd have to say this, but I want to register my offense at the ranking member's opening statement. I was discredited as a politician. I am a physician and a man of science. I have done nothing, nothing but commit myself to scientific truth and the care of patients. And, And to hear that I'm here because of a political angle, I am not a politician, I'm a physician. Wow. Okay, now, for the record, the ranking member on that committee is Gary Peters, Democrat senator from Michigan, a nasty piece of work. And if you're aware, there's certainly enough fraud there that it's obvious the Democrats stole that state from President Trump. I would think you could say the same thing about Peters' Republican challenger, John James. All right, now, here is more, more from Dr. Pierre Corey. I want to start out by saying that I'm not speaking... As an individual, I'm speaking on behalf of the organization that I'm a part of. We are a group of some of the most highly published physicians in the world. We have near 2,000 peer-reviewed publications among us. Led by Professor Paul Marek, who is our intellectual leader, we came together early on in the pandemic, and all we have sought is to review the world's literature on every facet of this disease, trying to develop effective protocols. Wow. So actually, look at the evidence. Man, that, that sounds like a great idea. You just mentioned that I was here in May. I recommended that it was critical that we use corticosteroids in this disease when all of the national and international healthcare organizations said we cannot use those. That turned out to be a life-saving recommendation. I am here again today with a new recommendation. In the last nine months, in our review of all of the literature as a group, again, we are some of the most highly published physicians in our specialty and the world. We have done nothing but try to figure out how to identify a repurposed and available drug to treat this illness. We have now come to the conclusion after nine months, and I have to point out, I am severely troubled by the fact that the NIH, the FDA, and the CDC, I do not know of any task force that was assigned or compiled to review repurposed drugs in an attempt to treat this disease. Wow. Okay, um, I'm troubled too. I mean, mean, why would that be? Everything has been about novel and or expensive pharmaceutically engineered drugs. Things like tocilizumab and rendesivir and monoclonal antibodies and vaccines. We have 100 years of medicine development. We know we are expert in all the medicines we use, and I do not know of a task force that has been focused on repurposed drugs. Well, I mean... This is just crazy. I will tell you that my group and our organization, we have filled that void. That is all we have done is focus on the things we know and things we do. And I'm here to tell you, Dr. Ryder, he just presented. He has one study of the many that I want to talk about. And I want to talk about that we have a solution to this crisis. There is a drug that is proving to be of miraculous impact. And when I say miracle, I do not use that term lightly. And I don't want to be sensationalized when I say that. That is a scientific recommendation based on mountains of data that has emerged in the last three months. 
Wow. I mean, this sounds really good, right? When I am told, and I just had to hear this in the opening sentence, that we are touting things that are not FDA or NIH recommended, let me be clear. The NIH, their recommendation on Evermectin, which is to not use it outside of controlled trials, is from August 27th. We are now in December. This is three to four months later. Mountains of data have emerged from all, from many centers and countries around the world showing the miraculous effectiveness of ivermectin. It basically obliterates transmission of this virus. If you take it, you will not get sick. Oh, my goodness. Wow. I mean, if this is true, then all lockdowns, all mask mandates, which, by the way, don't work anyway, should cease immediately. I want to briefly summarize the data. We have contributed more to the medical knowledge of our specialty in our careers than, than anyone else can claim as a group. And our manuscript, which was posted on Medicine Preprint Server, details all of this evidence. I want to briefly summarize it. Number one, we have evidence that ivermectin is effective not only in prophylaxis, in the prevention. If you take it, you will not get sick. We just came across a trial last night from Argentina by the lead investigator of Ivermectin in Argentina, Dr. Hector Carvalho. They prophylaxed 800 healthcare workers. Not one got sick. In the 400 that they didn't prophylax with ivermectin, 58% got sick. 237 of those 400 got sick. If you take it, you will not get sick. It has immense and potent antiviral activity. We know that from the first study in Monash, it has made the bench to the bedside. This, this is amazing. Again, this is Dr. Pierre Corey, Aurora Critical Care Service, Milwaukee, testifying before the U.S. Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs just yesterday saying we have the cure for COVID. Now, I hope the CDC and the NIH and the FDA and perhaps more important, your primary care physician will pay attention to this. I mean, I, I would think Ron Johnson would have a way to get this to the, the White House. But he, anyway, here, here's more. Prophylaxis, we now have four large randomized controlled trials totaling over 1,500 patients, each trial showing that as a prophylaxis agent, it is immensely effective. You will not get sick. You will be protected from getting ill if you take it. In early outpatient treatment, we have three randomized controlled trials and multiple observation as well as case series showing that if you take ivermectin, the need for hospitalization and death will decrease. The most profound evidence we have is in the hospitalized patients. We have four randomized controlled trials there, multiple observation trials, all showing the same thing. You will not die or you will die at much, much, much lower rates. Statistically significant, large magnitude results if you take ivermectin. It is proving to be a wonder drug. It has already won the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 2015 for its impacts on global health in the eradication of parasitic diseases. It is proving to be an immensely powerful antiviral and anti-inflammatory agent. It is critical for its use in this disease. Wow. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sold. 
We, again, stand by our manuscript. It is a scientific manuscript. It's been submitted for peer review. But please recognize, peer review takes time. It takes months. We do not have months. We have 100,000 patients in the hospital right now dying. I'm a lung specialist. I'm an ICU specialist. I've cared for more dying COVID patients than anyone can imagine. They're dying because they can't breathe. They can't breathe. They're on high-level oxygen delivery devices. They're on non-invasive ventilators and or they're sedated and paralyzed and attached to mechanical ventilators that breathe for them. And I watch them every day. They die. By the time they get me in the ICU, they're already dying. They're almost impossible to recover. Early treatment is key. We need to offload the hospitals. We are tired. I can't keep doing this. If you look at my manuscript, and if I have to go back to work next week, any further deaths are going to be needless deaths. And I cannot be traumatized by that. I cannot keep caring for patients when I know that they could have been saved with earlier treatment. And that drug that will treat them and prevent the hospitalization is ivermectin. Wow. Okay. Now, what must it be like to be a frontline healthcare worker dealing with patients who die knowing there's a cure, but for some reason not being able to get it to them? I am here today. I'm calling to action. The NIH, their last recommendation was August 27th. August 27th. I want to be clear. I am not here as a politician or a dramatist or or sensationalizing what I'm recommending. I'm going to be very clear and very simple. All I ask is for the NIH to review our data that we've compiled of all of the emerging data. We have almost 30 studies. Everyone is reliably and reproducibly positive, showing the dramatic impacts of ivermectin. Please, I'm just asking that they review our manuscript. It is a serious manuscript by serious, highly experienced physicians and researchers. I cannot call on more credibility than we have. We're not just a a random doctor who's saying that we have a cure. I don't want to say I have a cure. I'm just asking review our data. We have immense amounts of data to show that ivermectin must be implemented and implemented now. All right. So uh, Senator Ron Johnson from Wisconsin doesn't have explosive testimony like this if he thinks Dr. Corey is some kind of nut. So what happens next? Does Ron Johnson draft a letter to the NIH asking them to look at this, CDC, FDA? If you're in Wisconsin, you listen to Mark's show on WISN in Milwaukee or WIBA in Madison or the Big 89, WLS out of Chicago, Ron Johnson's your senator if you're in Wisconsin. You might want to call his office and ask him about this. Look, I got one more clip. Senator, the last thing I want to say is... You know who's dying here? It's, it's our African-American and Latino and elderly. It's some of the most disadvantaged and impoverished members of our society. They are dying at higher rates than anyone else. It's the most, it's, it's, it's the most severe discrepancy I've seen in my medical career. And we are responsible to protect those disadvantaged members. We have a special duty to provide countermeasures. The amount of evidence to show that ivermectin is life-saving and protective is so immense, and the drug is so safe. My colleagues have talked about it. It must be instituted and implemented. I am asking the NIH to review our data and come up with recommendations for society. Thank you. Hippocratic Oath, first do no harm, or even better. Uh, the words of Scripture, even as you've done the least of these, you've done unto me. All right. All of Mark's listeners in Wisconsin, you know what to do. Now, while I'm at it, 
Let me give you the names of the other Republican senators on the Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs, who I guess were at the hearing yesterday. Rick Scott in Florida, Rand Paul in Kentucky, Rob Portman, Ohio, James Lankford, Oklahoma, Mike Enzi, Wyoming, Mitt Romney, Utah, and Josh Hawley, Missouri. If you find Dr. Corey's testimony about the efficacy of the drug ivermectin as a preventative and possibly even cure for COVID, why not call your senator's office, ask whoever answers the phone if they plan to address this with the NIH, the FDA, the CDC? Why not? Who knows? You might even save a life. All right, your call's coming up at 877-381-3811. I'm Doc Washburn filling in for the great one, Mark Levin. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. And this is Doc Washburn filling in for Mark Levin. Let me uh, let me see how many calls we can get in here before the uh, the show is over. Let's go with Paul in Conway, Arkansas. Paul, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Doc Washburn filling in. What's up, brother? Hey, we're listening from KARN. We're proud of you, Doc. Anyway, you. we've been watching these reports also and hearing from friends of ours about what's been happening with ivermectin in South America. I've got kids with compromised immune systems who are suffering from depression. They're so bummed out. They've missed out on everything this year. But we found you can buy ivermectin at the farmer supply store, tractor supply store. So we bought enough to treat six people for less than 20 bucks. Wow, tractor so supply, that's a big chain in the, in, in the for South. The I'm sorry, what? It's even apple-flavored for the horses. So if you know somebody that's sick and they're on their, you know, their last legs. I mean, you do whatever you can do to, to help people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Even better if they're not on their last leg yet. Try to catch it early. Uh, Paul, great call, right. brother. I appreciate that very much. Thank you very much. Good to have some, uh, some local folks from Arkansas listening in. All right, um, and we got people who have been waiting uh, forever and ever to try to get on. Uh, uh, Mike in Chino, uh, Arizona, let's go with you. You're on the Mark Levin Show. Doc Washington filling in. What's up, Mike? Oh, I've been waiting for a while. Yes. Um, the Supreme Court should be taking this case. It's in their own interest to take this case. Talk about if Texas? Be... Excuse me? The Texas case? Yes, the Texas, the Texas case. It yeah. is in their interest to uh, take it because if they don't, uh, 
Chuck Schumer has already said he wants to make their voice um, worthless on the Supreme Court. Yeah, pack the court, yeah. judges on there. Yeah. Oh, you're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct, and I believe they will take it. And again, I'm not the sharpest knife in the ferment or the brightest bulb in the drawer, but I just wonder if after it looked like they're going to take the Pennsylvania case and the Texas case dropped and all of a sudden just one line, uh, now we're going to do the Pennsylvania thing right off the bat, if it's because they saw the Texas case and they're like, okay, here's red meat. This is something right here. Because one of the things about it uh, that that I read, and, and I appreciate your call, Mike. God bless you. One of the things about it that I read is if a state has a legal conflict with one or more other states, then that goes, the Constitution says this now, that goes right to the Supreme Court. Right to the Supreme Court. And this would be a first impression. And you don't have to go anywhere else. And um, a wise man once said, work like everything depends on you, pray like everything depends on God. And that's what we should all do. That's what we should all do. I'm Doc Washburn from Mark Levin's affiliate in Little Rock KRN. Such an honor, such a pleasure always to fill in for the great one. And we'll see you out there in social media, Twitter, Parlor. I'm all over the place. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.